Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, wasn't Serve Day awesome yesterday? Who here was uh, able to be a part of that? Yes, I mean, it was incredible. It was so sweet to see the team that we have here at the house and how we were able to go and take our faith beyond the four walls. But I think we got to recognize that, that every great team has to have a great coach. I mean, even Michael Jordan had the legendary Phil Jackson, right? And so uh, I'm just so thankful for the coach and the leadership that we have here and Pastor Stephen and Katie and everything that they're doing. So would you guys put your hands together for them here this morning? Man, so, so uh, honestly, a lot of times people ask me, you know, how did you, how did you come to know Pastor Stephen and Katie? Uh, how did you get connected here with the, at the house? And it's a question that I get a fair amount, and, and honestly, it's kind of become one of those canned responses where it's kind of a pre-programmed answer. And so I usually will talk about, you know, they did our premarital counseling, and, and then uh, they married us, and, and we really just hit it off because of our passion for reaching the lost and missions. And, and while that's true... There's a little bit of an untold story here that, that, that I want to share with you guys here today, if that's all right. I uh, know, I know, I know. Don't worry, Pastor. Don't worry, Pastor. I'm not exposing. Um, but as I recall how I came to hear of the legend, yes, I'm going to use the word legend of Pastor Stephen and Katie. Uh, you'll see why here in just a second. But as I recall, it was actually when I was a sophomore in college. Now, this was long before I began premarital counseling and he married us. And so, uh, as I recall, we're, we're there at the uh, the office of the oh not so wonderful Yoakum Hall uh, any University of Arkansas people here in the house today alumni then no Yoakum Hall has been around for like 50 years and it's not the greatest dorm but there we were we were standing we were talking and um, there's a number of other believers and, and they started talking about hey who, you know who's your favorite preacher and you know people are talking about oh man man my favorite preacher is is this guy and he's got so many instagram followers or or this this guy man i love watching his youtube videos and and, and they come to me and and i was pretty i was pretty young in my faith at this point even though i'd been saved for quite a while i really had only recently activated my faith and so in this game of pastoral celebrity and you know uh, preacher trivia i'm completely out of the loop I got no idea who any of these people are. And so they're like, have you heard of this person? I'm like, nah, man, you know, I, I haven't. And, and I'm, I'm starting to question, like, man, you know, it, 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 am I really saved? Which let me just say, this is like the most, like, Christian cliche thing that you can do. And so I do not advocate this at all. But, uh, you know, people are naming off their favorite preachers from New York City and Dallas and Los Angeles. And I don't know a single one of them until until this Oh, so beautiful, drop dead gorgeous lady says, you know, my favorite pastor is uh, this guy named Stephen Sexton. And she turns to me and asks me, hey, have you ever heard of this guy, Stephen Sexton? Now, keep in mind, I haven't had a clue who any of these people are so far. So I do what any young male with testosterone pumping through his veins would do. I say, oh, yeah, absolutely, I've heard of him. Man, I love that guy. Man, that guy brings the word. I have no idea who the man is. No idea where he's from. No idea where he's like. For all I know, he could be the Easter bunny. But I just put all my eggs in this man's basket. And so, and so I kind of started thinking, 
you know, may, maybe I should learn a little bit more about this guy. Well, one of my, one of my friends kind of calls me out on it. He's like, hey, Adam, like, I can't believe you haven't heard that you haven't heard of this guy, but you've heard of this Stephen Sexton guy? Well, let me just tell you, at this point, I'm committed. I'm in deep. Like, I'm not backing down now. And I, even though I'm in deeper than, like, Peter was before the rooster crowed, I am not backing down. I'm so, yes, stellar preacher. I mean, just amazing, amazing man. Well, I, I say all that uh, not to uh, confess my lie to you guys. Um, and and let, let's just thank God that my lying days are in my past now. Um, but... But really to recognize the seeds that were being sown by our pastors long before they even began the house. See, seven years later, here we are, that I not only just know who Pastor Stephen is, I actually I've become very acquainted with him. And, and I'm so, so thankful. You know, if I can be serious just for a moment, I'm so thankful for the mentorship and the guidance that he has provided to me, my family, because now I'm married to that uh, oh-so-beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous lady. We got a baby named Nora Jane, and we are flourishing here at the house. But all of that came from sows that were, or seeds that were being sown long before he even knew what the impact would be for them. And so I think it's only fitting that we're talking about in training today. And so as we get going here, let, let's just pray. Um, pray that, uh, you know, just thank God that my line days, we're, we're done with those. And so we're just going uh, to thank God for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are true. And even when we mess up, Lord, that you're not disappointed with us. And so, Lord, I pray today as, as we dive into your word, Lord, would you, would you lift the head of the weary? Would you give power to the powerless, God? And I pray that we would hear not my words, but your words, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the title for, my, for today's message is Unleash Your Full Capacity. And, and so on the count of three, I want to say unleash. But real quick, when we say unleash, we've we got we to break through, you know, like we're ripping open the Superman cape. We're busting through the phone booth. And, you know, the Superman powers are about ready to be unleashed. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Unleash. There we go. There we go. And so, you know, what a better place to start than in Acts chapter 11. I know you guys are thinking, Unleash, how does that have to do with Acts chapter 11? You shall see. All right. So um, we'll be in verse 1. But to kind of just set the stage of where we are here in Acts chapter 11. So Jesus has come to earth. He's gone to the cross. And through Jesus Christ, we've, uh, we've now received a free gift of salvation because he defeated sin and death by going to the cross and being resurrected. The Holy Spirit has now been released to the early church. Pentecost has happened. And so because of that, people are coming to know Jesus left and right and all over the place. And it's this amazing moment. But up until this point, it's only Jews who have been saved. It's only Jews who have come to know the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Why? It's not because Jews thought that they were better than everyone else. It was just that the Jews had always been told you're God's chosen people. And so it never had a reality moment where they're like, oh, I need to go share Jesus Christ with non-Jewish people. And so we pick it up here in verse 1. And it says, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when we talk about Gentiles, for, for any of those who, like myself, were uh, falling asleep in the back row of church uh, growing up and c completely missed what the word Gentile means, Gentile is just referring to a non-Jew. 
So that's me. That's probably most of us probably here in this room today. It's really just a fancy way of saying a non-Jew. So in verse 2, when, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. Now, these would be the uh, traditionalist Jews of the day who drank their tea with their pinky up, the ones who were very, very uh, um, prestigious about their history, and they could give their lineage all the way back to Father Abraham. And so when they come to him and they say, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with him? How dare you, Peter? How uncouth of you? How uncivilized of you, Peter? I can't believe that you would do such a thing. And so in verse 4, Peter responds by saying, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I see, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. And I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, what we learned in the previous chapter of Acts chapter 10 is that Peter uh, was actually waiting for lunch to be prepared. It was about the sixth hour of the day. And so I, I don't know what Peter said. Maybe he, you know, maybe he didn't say anything at all. But just speaking as a, as a husband in the room here, I've learned that sometimes it's not good to ask when the meal is going to be prepared. And so you just got to you just got to leave the room. And, and so I'm not saying that Peter said anything there, but he decided to go to the rooftop where he fell into a little bit of a, a little bit of a nap. And while he was in this nap, he had this dream. And so I'm just being real with y'all. If I had a dream and I was hungry and God says, get up and eat, I'm like, whoo, this is better than Golden Corral on a Sunday buffet. Like, let's go. Let's dive in. Let's get some food. Except one problem. One problem. Peter replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. See, in Jewish culture, God had protected his people by giving them strict eating guidelines. And this wasn't to, to just be mean. It wasn't like God was sitting back of like, hey, you know what would be really funny is if I made all my people go Whole30. <laughs> See if they really love me with no sugar, no carbs. <laughs> so let's try the keto diet. See if they're really committed to me then. No, no, the, this was God actually protecting them because they couldn't just whip out a microscope and be like, oh, yes, look, look, look at all the bacteria in, in this food. I probably shouldn't eat this. And so God was protecting his people through his, through his guidelines that he gave them. And so in verse 9, the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Let, let me say that last part one more time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So this happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. And I'll be honest, this would probably be easy to just dismiss this as a, oh, you know, obviously, Peter, you were hungry, you were thinking about food, so you dreamed about food. It's like when you got a test the next day, and you dream about sleeping through the test. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, so good. I'm not the only one who has PTSD of sleeping through tests here in this room today. Um, but this is way more than just a that's so raven moment of like, I, I, got, a, I got a vision, I got a vision. Like, this is actually, this is way more than just food. And so what you see here in the next verse is that the Lord immediately validates Peter's dream. See, God's never going to give us something without a way to put it into action. And so in verse 11, it says, Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. And the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. And then these six brothers, we're going to call this Peter and his squad, 
Peter and his squad, they rolled out. They said, let's go. They also went with him and they entered into the man's house. Now, this was no ordinary man. This man's name was Cornelius. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion. And what centurion, the word comes from, is the word century, which refers to a hundred. So Cornelius was over a hundred Roman soldiers. This was a man of power and influence. A man that at the snap of his fingers could have said, you know what, Peter? I've been looking for you Christians for quite some time. And you know what? What are the happenstance that you just show up here at my front doorstep? But instead, he says, he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Come on, write that one down, write that one down real quick. That wasn't me just Googling that and then throwing that in there. No, this is in the Bible, verse 17. I'm gonna read it one more time. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So then after uh, they picked up their jaws off the floor because Peter just served them a little Holy Spirit revelation, uh, they responded in verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praise God saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, I'm just going to say this. This may not be the flashiest verse in the entire Bible, but it may be the most important for me and probably a lot of us here in this room. Why? Because up until this point, there there, there had never been a desire for people to share the love of Jesus Christ with non-Jews, with the Gentiles, with me, and probably most of us here in this room. This completely shifted the way that the early church went about their life. And I'm just telling you guys, it's, it's funny when we look at the life of Jesus. He spent 33 years here on this earth, and the followers loved him, and it was awesome. But they completely missed it. They thought that Jesus was just for them. They, they, they were like, man, we're the fortunate ones. Whew. Man, we're the lucky ones who, who got to spend the time with Jesus. And they, the thought had never crossed their mind. No, Jesus is and is to come for people of all nations. And so that's a.k.a. how we are here in this place 2,000 years later. And we're actually able to live in a Christian nation. Does it mean that we have it all figured out? No, absolutely not. (laughs) We've made plenty of mistakes along the way. But we still are a nation founded on Christian principles. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about myself here. And so Pastor Stephen mentioned a little bit, but I, uh, I graduated from the University of Arkansas with a degree in engineering. Yep, yep, yep. You know, get get a little woo-pig in there. Um... And so I graduated with my degree in engineering and went to a, a little company up the road called J.B. Hunt. You, you might have heard of it, um, or, or get stuck behind their trucks on the, on the highway. And, uh, and it's funny because really when I you know, sat down to think about my life, and you, know, you have that moment in high school, and it's the career day, the career planning day where you decide the career track that you're going to take for the rest of your life. Working at a church wasn't really on my top list. In fact, it wasn't even on my list at all. In fact, I really had the intentions of like, you know what, God, I, I think I'll catch up with you more when I'm, I'm in my 30s and I got a family and I got kids and I want my kids to behave. Then I'm going to catch back up with my relationship with Jesus. 
That was kind of my plan. But as you can probably see, uh, God had other plans for me. See, God encountered me in a radical way that I could not continue to live my life in the same way. God opened my eyes to the same truth that the whole reason he places us in training is to put us into action. Not so that I can just sit on the bench, on the sidelines, but I can get in the game and be ready to go. It's not so that I can just sit back, twiddle my thumbs and be like, Jesus, you know, it looks really dangerous out there. It's getting really bad. Hey, would you mind to just come and, you know, just take care of all the bad dudes. And while you do that, I'm going to go build myself a doomsday bunker. I'm going to hide out and uh, I'll catch up with you all later on. No, the whole reason that that he puts us into this place is so that we can actually be people of action. God saved us to put us into training so that he can give us a mission and a purpose. That's why one of the four reasons that the house exists is to fuel your purpose. It's not to fuel my purpose. It's to fuel your purpose. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. See, when God radically saves us, we encounter a radical grace that puts us on pace to never live the life the the same way again. That all of a sudden our decisions may not make sense to the rest of the world. But that's okay because we're following Jesus. So about two years ago, I I left my engineering job and and I came to work at, at, at here at the church and, and it's been incredible for me. But, but I'd, get, I'd get people that would ask me, like, man, like, Adam, why, why would you do that? Why would you leave a good-paying job? You know, like, the, the, that's the American dream, right? You know, uh, one of our interns uh, asked me the other day, Adam, why do you drive a mom car? And, and I told her, I was like, well, actually, at, at one point in my life, I had a pretty sweet truck. But, but, but I, see, I sold it to go on a mission trip to Thailand and, and haven't recovered since. And... Um, you know, uh, uh, this last year, my, my wife and I, we moved out of our house into an apartment complex. And the whole purpose being so that we could share the love of Jesus Christ with a lot of the residents who are from nations where, you know, Christianity is not the primary religion there. You, you know, so, yeah, we sacrificed a little bit of space. But let me just say, we had this amazing relationship with so many of our neighbors where we got to live out our faith and actually be the light of Christ there at the apartment community. And so, you know, I say all this, and it's not to promote a poverty gospel of just saying, okay, just sell everything, sell everything, you know, move into a cardboard box. No, 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 no. I'm saying this because I'm just telling you the adventure that we get to live with Jesus Christ is so much worth more than whatever the world could throw at us and try to put our possessions and our prize in. You know, Philippians 3, 7 through 8 says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Check out real quick the way the Passion Translation articulates this verse. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ, my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing it all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. This is why Paul is able to go on just a couple verses later in verse 14 and say, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
See, what if when we brought our resume to God with all of our accolades and accomplishments and awards, what if instead of bringing all that to him, it was just a blank sheet of paper? I believe then and only then we can run free and live a life that is truly unleashed. You know, a couple years ago, I went, I went to Atlanta on a business trip. And, and while we were there, a lot of people were like, man, Adam, you got to go to the aquarium. You're, you're going to love the aquarium. It had fish from all over. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So I go. And, and they did. If every fish you could think of, even Dory and Nemo, they had them there. But, but the one fish that they did not have, the one fish they did not have. Let, let me just give you a hint about what it was. Boom, 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 I know you guys probably couldn't get that from my uh, musical ability there. Uh, you know, you know, some people have different callings in life. So, uh, but yes, Jaws, Jaws, the, the most feared predator in the entire ocean, the great white shark. That was not in the aquarium. Now, they had every other fish that you could think of, and it wasn't that they were unable to capture the great white shark. No, they had, and they had tried, and they had brought it into the aquarium. But every single time they brought it into the aquarium, the great white shark would die within just a couple of days of being inside uh, the fish tank. And so they, they tried different diets. They tried um, different meals for the shark. They tried different saline solution of salt to water ratio. But every single time, the great white shark died within just a couple of days, which led them to conclude the reason why it was dying is because it was a naturally born predator that was born to live in the wild, that was meant to, to go out and, and hunt for its food. And, and so the moment that it removed that from him and, they be, and it lived in just a safe fish tank and, you know, aquarium, it lost its will to live. And I couldn't help but think, man, how many times is that, is that the story of our faith? That we say, hey, you know what, it would be a lot safer if I just pull back and live in this, you know, safe fishbowl, you know, aquarium where, where everything's controlled and it's safe. But what actually happens is that actually where our, where our faith begins to crumble and, and die. You know, I think if we look at the life of Jesus, <laughs> Jesus did the exact opposite. If anyone ever told you uh, Jesus made it to play it safe, I didn't know Jesus at all. If we look at the life of Jesus, he did anything but play it safe. That he truly lived a life unleashed. And so I want to give you guys three questions today that I think as we self-examine our lives will help us unleash the full capacity that God has for us. And so the first question for you guys here today is who am I positioning myself by? I personally believe that if you look at the early church, they always had a wingman. They always had one. Peter had John. Paul had Barnabas. David had Jonathan. Moses had Aaron. They always had somebody. They say that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Proverbs 13, 20 even says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So I'm just saying, if you guys want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go long, you got to go together. You know, and I think it's I think it's crazy when we look at this story of Peter when he rolls out with his squad. He's got his six brothers that he knew he couldn't go into this alone, that he needed some people there praying beside him. But just, you know, being real, I think we recognize that probably one of these brothers didn't know what he was getting himself into. He, he was just kind of along for the ride of like, oh, cool. Like, hey, everyone's leaving. All right, let's go. It's like the guy going for the, oh, late night Taco Bell run. Yeah, okay, count me in. You know, Crunch Wrap Supreme, Baja Blast. I, I'll be there. You know, oh, house serve day? 
Yeah, 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 man, man, I'll be there. Yeah, let's go, let's go love on our city. But he probably didn't know all that he was getting himself into. But what I can tell you that the beauty of the Bible is, is that even though we don't know who this person was, I can guarantee you that his life was forever changed by what he was about to experience. And sometimes this is how God will speak to us. It's not by us just waking up one morning and being like, you know what, today, today I, I think I'm going to change the world. How does that sound, man? I think I'm going to change the world today. No, 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 no. God surrounds us with Holy Spirit-led men and women who when we begin to do life together, all of a sudden our life begins to change. And it no longer looks the same as what it once was. And so I, I believe here that you can, that you can you know, learn your faith here in a, in a pew or in a seat, and, and that's not to disregard what God's doing here in this house, or you, you can take it out to the streets and learn it when all of a sudden it's like I'm putting my faith to the test. And, and it's in that moment that, I, I'll just be honest, that I, that's when I've grown the most. It's when I've chosen the latter of, you know what, God has something in store for me, but I'm going to have to step into it. Now, I know, I know what you guys are thinking right now. You guys are thinking, well, Adam, of course, you're up there on stage. Of course, like, you, you want to go out and, and do all that. I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm like the biggest scaredy cat. I start getting these butterflies of like, okay, I'm going to step out of my faith. And all of a sudden, I start, like, my stomach starts turning. And I'm like, ah, 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 ah. But what have I already done? I've surrounded myself with another five or six brothers and sisters in Christ that are actually pushing me beyond my walls of comfortability. So even when I'm a scaredy cat and I want to pull back, they're not allowing me. And I'm continuing to grow in my faith. And so my question for you guys today is, who's your fab five? Who's your Fab Five? Yes, shout out to all the 90s uh, generation uh, basketball fans out there. Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with today that aren't going to allow you to just fall into a boring life of comfortability? You know, I, I think I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention backyard groups. This is an awesome opportunity to just jump in and get to know some amazing people. It, it's, it's been crazy for the last five months. We've been you know, somewhat disconnected. And so one of the best things that we can do is just begin to do life together. Sometimes it's less about what you know and it's more about who you're doing life with. And so my second question for you guys here this morning is, what am I doing with the capacity that God has given me? See, we all have different gifts and, and capacities that God has, has blessed us with. And so oftentimes the issue is not that we aren't called, it's that we're too preoccupied to recognize the call that God has placed on our life. Wow. See, there, there's, there's 3.2 billion people worldwide who are considered what we call unreached, meaning they've never heard the gospel and they have no idea who Jesus is at all. You know, and you may hear people say, well, there's unreached people here in Northwest Arkansas. And, and while that's true, the truth is, is that if you've grown up in Arkansas or the Bible Belt, you've probably passed a church no less than a thousand times in your entire life. And even if you've tried your best to avoid meeting or talking to a Christian, probably at some point you have uh, just by mere coincidence of where you live. But that's not the story for 3.2 billion people worldwide. That they have no access to Jesus and they have no access to even know who Jesus is because they're not going to pass a church. They don't know a single Christian. And so I, I'm not going to go into depth about this, but I want to encourage you guys, uh, if you guys are taking notes, to, to write down this website, thejoshuaproject.net. It, it really has brought a lot of these things to my knowledge. 
of, of giving me an understanding of, hey, this is, this is a bigger deal than probably what I'm just accustomed to here in my bubble in northwest Arkansas. And so just practically here real quick, by a show of hands, how many of y'all would say that you know somebody from what is called the 1040 window? The 1040 window is northern Africa, the Middle East, and Asia extending all the way to the Pacific Islands. Anyone know anyway? It doesn't have to be like a close friend, just like even just an acquaintance, but you know somebody from that area. Okay, so the, the truth is, is that it's a very little chance that this person or that person's family has very little knowledge of even who Jesus is, that they may have never even met a Christian, that they've never stepped foot in a church. And, it's, and I say all that not, to, not, not for this to be heavy, but for us to put an action to it, to recognize that, wait a second, wait a second, pause, 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 one second. Here we are in northwest Arkansas, and God is actually bringing people from all around the world to northwest Arkansas because of business and other reasons that, I mean, it's just crazy that God is surrounding us, that he's actually bringing the nations to us. He gave us a command to go to the nations, but God's bringing the nation to us right here in northwest Arkansas. And so God has actually given us an opportunity that he's placed us into training so that we can now go and be the light of the world to people who've never even heard of who Jesus Christ is. And, you know, it's crazy. It's like, I don't know, you know, how many people from Abu Dhabi know where Rogers, Arkansas is. Honestly, I don't even know where Abu Dhabi is, but, but, but it's, it's got a cool name. And, and I mean, but God is bringing people to here to Northwest Arkansas for, for a purpose. And, and so I think that this is an opportunity for us that lays right before us. And so all we have to do is say, God, God, here I am. Use me. I don't know what it looks like, but God, use me today. And so what does being used by God look like? I'm going to give you three quick ways that, that God uses us. Number one, we support financially. Now, I think we all know the story of, in the Bible, of who, great, who, who gave the greater wealth, you know, who gave the greater gift, the, the Pharisees with all their wealth and riches, you know, who could make a, a glamorous, you know, uh, offering to the Lord, or the widow who gave her one might. See, I personally believe that the widow with the one might actually goes further than a check cut for a million dollars. Why? Because money will run out. But if that one might is backed by the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit, that ain't going to run out. So let me just tell you guys. And so the second thing that we do is we go. We go to our workplace with a mission and a purpose. We go to our family reunions, to our extended family, to the people who, who maybe are, uh, you know, we recognize their life that they don't know who Jesus is. They haven't had the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And so instead of showing up to the family reunion and just being like, hey, how, how's the family doing? Hey, hey, how are the kids? How's the work? Oh, oh, man, man, I'm sorry to hear that. No, instead, we invest in their heart. And we ask sometimes maybe what even leads, leads into difficult conversations. It's not that I'm trying to be controversial, but instead I recognize that I care so much about your heart that I cannot allow you to continue to walk in, in the darkness. I got I to gotta be at least a light. You can reject it if you want, but I, I know what God has called me to do, and that is to be a light. Maybe the other way that we go is we consider going on a mission trip with the house. 
I mean, they just talked about the local mission trip. Maybe, you know, if you're a student, maybe you're, you know, you have some, uh, some, some available time off. You're like, hey, I want to help out with the local mission trip. I want to be a part. You know, anything that I can do, I recognize that God's doing something powerful here. You know, the third way that we can be used by God is that we pray for the global church, the, the long-term goers, those in our city and around the world. You know, the, the number one reason that people step out of the ministry or missionaries return home, it's not because they failed at their mission or because of a lack of training, but it was actually, it's actually most of the time because of the feeling of being isolated or disconnected. And, and I just remember, you know, being, uh, being in Belize about a year and a half ago. And, and I'll just be honest with you guys, I'm not much of a crier. Uh, a lot of times I've prayed, God, I think I would just be more spiritual. If I could just work up like one tear when Stephen Hill is singing, lean back in those loving arms. If I could just like work up one tear, I would just be so much more holy, right? But, but it, it's never came. It's never came. And, and so really the last time that I like really broke down and cried was actually when I was in, in Belize on a mission trip about a year and a half ago. And, and I received a video from our house family that just they were praying for us just knowing that we weren't alone that we were so backed by a community of believers that we weren't walking through life alone but we were so tied together of something that was bigger and had a greater purpose than what i could even wrap my mind around and i just i just broke down in that moment and so if me and my stone cold emotions can be impacted in that way, imagine how much more even someone who's maybe been disconnected, you know, who, who hasn't been able to talk with a, you know, a, just, just a Christian friend, a believer, someone to encourage them. Imagine the impact that it'll have on their life. It, it doesn't have to be pretty. A, a lot of times when we step out in one of these three ways, maybe all three of them, it, there's a good chance that we're going to fall all over ourselves. And that's okay. It's okay. We have the ability to fail in God as long as we're failing forward. This past October, I ran my first and very well possibly my only marathon uh, in my life. And, um, and so I was trying to play it cool. You know, I'm running with everybody. I mean, it's this huge group of people and they all know what they're doing. And so we come up to the first water station and they, they all grab the water and they, you know, knock it back and just keep on running like right in stride. Didn't even think anything about it. So I, I run up there, I grab my water, I'm like, I knock it back. Well, the only problem is I'm like running full speed right now and I am not prepared to drink water. And so what do I do? I start choking just, <coughs> and, and water is just like, like I've completely drenched my shirt. Everyone's like looking at me like, bro, you all right? Like, dude, you good? You good? And so I looked like a complete fool that I had no idea what I was doing. But that didn't keep me from finishing the race. No, yes, my, my shirt was drenched. <laughs> it was soaking wet, but I kept on going. And so that's what our life has to look like, is even when we mess up, even when we fail, God's not, <laughs> God hasn't, you know, relegated and say, oh, well, I'm done with you now. No. No, even when it's just a meager effort, even letting them know that you can. And so my third and 90 verse 12 is here on earth is short. We're growing up. And I was like, man, I can't wait until I can just be 16. And it felt like it took forever to get there. And, and see, I genuinely believe that all of you want house, pad the floor to this point. What, what I'm doing with my life when my parents, friends, so I can make this amount of half my chips this time. Hey, guys, clearly worthless. 
if you buy a car for a thousand dollars, don't expect it to be running <laughs> the next experience here. But you know, j- just a just a word of wisdom: don't fall for that trap. It ain't gonna keep you warm. And so, my question with all of that is: Would you allow? Would you allow God to to begin to work in your heart? See, it doesn't matter if you're seventeen or seventy. God's not upset with your failures or past mistakes. He hasn't written you off. No, in fact, those those mistakes have actually been what's preparing you for where you're at right now. And so today, would you allow God to unleash your full capacity? Would we allow ourselves to be the ones that say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm not going to be the person that says, man, aren't I the lucky one? the lucky one who heard about Jesus and now I'm able to walk in freedom. But instead, I recognize that I've been placed into training so that I can now unleash the capacity that God has for me, that I want to run free, that I want my life to look differently because of what God has done in my life. You know, I think when we look at Peter, it would be very easy to look at his life. Well, of course, he was just doing what God told him to do. But by going to this Roman centurion's home, he was, in, he was essentially surrendering his life. Because this Roman centurion, at, at the very snap of his fingers, could have said, you know what, Peter, I've been looking for you. And you know what, I, I'm going to set an example right now, and I'm going to use you to light you as a torch to light our streets. Like, that was, that was the reality of what they were living in. But it didn't matter because Peter had the revelation of the Holy Spirit of that God wasn't just for him. That he wasn't just for the, the people of that time. He was for everyone, for every nation, every tribe, that God was actually using Peter to send him out. Psalm 127, 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, or the builders labor in vain. Would you guys stand with me, um, if you guys are able to, um, just as we conclude here today? You know, if I'm being real with y'all, the times that I find myself most struggling with anxiety, depression, when my anger begins to flare up, it's usually not actually because I'm, I'm stressed or I'm just too busy. It's actually because I recognize that I'm, I'm living in less than the full capacity that God has for me. And I see, and I see that God has a vision for me, and, and I just recognize that I'm rejecting it in my life. And so what happens is, is I begin to fall in this life of like just self-deprecation, and, that's, and I recognize that's not what God has for me. No, God has so much more for each and every one of us here in this room. But we have to choose to step into it. So today, today, will we allow God to work so mightily in our lives that we rewrite the narrative? We rewrite the narrative of Christians who just played it safe, who just said, you know what, I'm going to live in my safe fishbowl environment because it's, it's a dangerous world out there. Or will we be the ones that say, you know what, I don't want my life to just look like the lifestyle of the rich and famous that I want to go. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know that God has taken every step there with me. And let me just assure you guys that God is, that God is walking every single step with you. And so does our view of God look like, the, you know, reflect our view that he is the supreme creator of the entire universe? Or just a moral decent teaching that I can just, you know, check in, check out, check in, check out. 
know, I, I really believe that, that God wants to work in our hearts here this morning. And, and I don't know what that looks like. That may be different for, you know, every single one of you here in this room. But if you guys would, would you give the person next to you just some sanctuary? You know, just bow your heads, close your eyes. This is just between you and God right now. No, nobody else. It doesn't matter what, what God's saying to your neighbor. God wants to speak to your heart right now. And so I, I think, would you ask yourself, you know, is, is God calling me into action? I see, I see where God has placed me into training, and now I recognize that God is calling me into action to unleash, to unleash what He has for me. And so if that's you here today, I, I want you to just raise your hand in agreement, in a sign of agreement of saying, God, I know that you are calling me into action. And so on the count of three, I want you guys to raise your hand if that's you. One, if you're with me. Two, if you're ready. Three, raise that hand. Hey, I love it. Hands going up all over this place. If you are making that agreement right now, that you're saying, God, I know that you have something in store for me. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us a vision and a purpose. Lord, and so right now, right now, we may not know what it looks like, but we know that you are unleashing something inside of us. And so, Lord, we pray that in this upcoming week, Lord, that you would give us power, that you'd give us strength, that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit in the same way that you did on that early church so that we can't just go through our life in the same and normal way, that our life has been forever changed. Our values look different. And, Lord, would you allow us to continue to grow in the purpose and the passion that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.